Back in on the People Show. Satyar Shah with Randy Janda. Kevin Woodley is coming up. And this hour of the People Show is brought to you by Douglas Lake Equipment. Get the quality turf construction and ag equipment you need while staying under your salary cap at the closest Kubota dealer to the lower mainland, douglaslakeequipment.com. And before we get to Woodley, we were playing turf trivia, Randy. And the question was, Derwin James, who signed a massive contract just uh, today to stay with the LA Chargers, resetting the safety market. Well, he was a second safety taken in the first round in the 2018 NFL draft at pick 17. Who was the first safety selected in that draft? The answer to that question has been given and a winner has been selected. That's right. The answer, Minka Fitzpatrick, taken by the Miami Dolphins at the time. Now we know Pittsburgh Steelers player, two-time Pro Bowler, a damn good player as well. Uh, The player that I hope the Miami Dolphins would keep, (laughs) but he went to the Steelers and he's basically an all-pro there. How's Austin Jackson? Uh, I don't want to talk about it. Okay. Congratulations to Pomo. Port Moody is the Turf Trivia Champion today, wrestling away the belt from Surrey. And J-Mac is the winner uh, that gets entry into the People's Show Fantasy Football League. So congratulations, J-Mac. You're in the league. Uh, Awesome. Uh, More Turf Trivia coming up tomorrow and Friday for more entries into the Fantasy Football League. And uh, stay tuned. We have Don't At Me coming up with a prize for you to win tickets to a nooner at the Nat. And also, we have a stadium tour giveaway as well. So just because you missed on this, you may have a chance to win other things well, as well. Well, you mentioned the stadium tour. I wonder if one Kevin Woodley is a fan of Motley Crue. Ooh, I'd say that uh, in in his prime, which is, you know, still extended. Whoa, 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 whoa. It's like, no, no, but listen, I've passed my prime. Because you know, Woodley, your prime is, is your 20s. We all know this. Like, it's the 20s is your prime. Uh, in your prime, I, I bet you, you you listen to a little bit of Motley Crue. 20s? Like, I don't even remember my 20s, man. I was kind of hoping my prime was going to be in my 50s because that's right around the corner. Uh, oh, Sat, you've totally... I'm, I'm depressed now. <laughs> you've my whole afternoon. But, uh, but for sure, it's listen, like, you, if you want to know how old I am, the first time I listened to Motley Crue, I think I lip-synced them in grade six. Mm-hmm. For, like, you know, back when you used to do that for, like, I don't know, whatever, at school. So grade six, that's how old I am. May have gotten psyched up for the odd beer league game with a little kickstart in my heart over the years. So yeah, absolutely. I'm uh, I'm all in for a little crew. That's no problem. So you might find yourself checking out the stadium tour then? Uh, probably not, not because <laughs> I'm at that age where loud music just, you know, like, and, and going out. Yeah. These are things that complicate my life. Hey, listen, uh, I, I'm feeling my age too. I mean, I, I hurt my back last week and had such bad, bad back spasms. I missed the last two days of work. I've never missed work in my life because of back pain, but here we are. So. Hey, listen, I had back surgery about eight years ago, yeah. and uh, the wait times to have it diagnosed and get it done might be the most miserable Oof. five or six months of my entire life. There's nothing like back pain, so you have my sympathies. I understand missing work. It's debilitating, and it makes your brain mush. Yes, it really does, but but hopefully we don't have to worry about that too much. You got your back taken care of. I'm back at work, and uh, we were back talking goaltending with you, and it's funny because we had you on the show last Tuesday. Usually we have you on Wednesday. And not too long after we had you on the show, the news broke that that Robin Leonard is not only injured, but he's out for the entire season after having to undergo hip surgery. What was your reaction to all this when it went down? Um, maybe a little less shocked than others because um, when you're at a camp, you know, as we talked about last week with a whole bunch of NHL people and NHL goalies, you, you tend to pick up on a little buzz. And we started to hear that on uh, Tuesday about the possibility of Robin missing the whole year, looked into it. 
sounds like the Vegas Golden Knights found out about it about the same time we did. So um, maybe not as shocked when it broke just because there was a bit of a heads up there. Uh, but I think much like the team themselves, like they didn't see this coming. Uh, and for it to happen this late in the summer, you know, is, is a little bit troublesome um, because this is a surgery that, you know, frankly, if you get it, take, you get it done right away, you know, the recovery time, depending on the degree and, and, and whether it requires microfracture surgery, which is where they purposely create little fractures in the hip socket to try and get um, cartilage regrowth, uh, which I believe is what Eddie Lack had. I know it's what Pecorina had and what led to some of the complications. So they, they purposely create little fractures to try and create some blood flow, which can regenerate a different type of cartilage in there if just smoothing the bone is... Uh, in in the ball and joint socket is enough. If there's enough damage in there, they do that. So, but short of that, um, you know, I mean, Tim Thomas, even at his age when he had it, he was he was mid to late 30s when he finally had the surgery. Had it done in May, was back in you know for early in the season. So, what makes this concerning is it happened so late in the off season, and that they're going to miss him for the whole year, and that one of their other NHL proven options also had hip surgery, Laurent Brassois. Early in the summer, um, the camp we were at last week is one that Brassois is normally a part of, but he wasn't there because he's not back on the ice yet. But that's the bad news. The good news is, is my understanding is, uh, and, and not a surprise given how well he takes care of himself, but that Brassois is ahead of schedule. And while there's no firm timeline on whether he'll be ready for the start of camp, um, there's at least that chance uh, that if it's not camp, then it's early in the season when he's back and ready to go. So, so it's sounds like that recovery has gone well. And again, if you've ever seen Laurent Brassois work out, even, even amongst his peers, without, like he's, he's a freak athletically. So takes care of himself so well. I'm not surprised to hear that, you know, that typically much like even just, you know, us Joe Blow average people getting surgery, um, being in good shape going into it usually aids your outcome and your recovery coming out of it. But losing laner is, I mean, that's a blow. Like this guy was, you know, would have been in my Vesna conversation for the first third of last season. Raw numbers wouldn't have shown it, but adjusted numbers did. Uh, that team was a bit of a tire fire defensively, has been for a couple of years now in terms of the type of chances they gave up, and he carried them on his back for the first third. And, you know, obviously that that uh, wore him a little out a little bit as the season went on. And to not have that guy uh, available to them, as much as I still think he's a guy that whose workload needs to be monitored and how hard and they rode him early last season was concerning. I said it at the time, and he doesn't make it through what would have been his first season as sort of the, you know, clear-cut, no doubt, number one goaltender. Because don't forget, like up until this point in his career, he's always been in a job share. Uh, the Islanders was a job share. Chicago was a job share. He's never sort of been a 50- or 60-game guy. And, and I think physically there are questions, and said this before, said this when they signed him to the long-term contract about whether he whether he can be long-term. It's why the other two teams balked at signing him long-term. They liked him, but they weren't willing to give him term because they weren't sure he could make it through. So um, it's kind of borne out as a couple teams predicted. For Robin's sake, you hope that uh, he recovers fully in his back because the league's better with him in it. He's a hell of a goalie. Uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights' sake, it's hope LB, uh, Lauren Brassois, is back soon and hope that Logan Thompson can pick up where he left off last season. Um, because, you know, one of the things that happened late last year was Thompson actually out. Laner was playing through injury, as we know, um, and not at his best. But Logan Thompson was out playing him. And it was actually uh, a game where Laner started and got pulled after the first period, despite playing pretty well, giving up one on 13. 
they kind of ended his season. Like my understanding is he pretty much just packed his bags and left at that point. Um, not happy that Logan Thompson, who, like I said, was out playing him at the time, got inserted in the second period. So there's a, I mean, there's, I mean, I could probably just keep talking for the whole segment on the Laner Vegas situation. Like I think a lot of us yeah. thought that there's no way he goes back if DeBoer goes back. So they fired DeBoer and he still doesn't come back. So there's, there's a lot of drama that surrounds this one. And it's not just on the ice. A drama in Vegas. Who would have thought? Uh, you think about uh, you know the goalie situation. You talked about Brossois. Good to hear that the local guy is maybe not that far away. Thompson as well. But we know the pressure in Vegas is so so high. Uh, do you see you know a potential of is it worth it for them with the the organizational expectation to to maybe have a look at Varlamov or a Corpusalo uh, a little bit further up the food chain, so to speak. Again, that's probably going to depend on Brassois, how healthy he is and, and, and how he looks early going. My understanding is they are unlikely to pursue a trade in goaltending. Let's face it, they got cap problems everywhere else too. And I think they're going to try and see if they can get by early. Um, there are options out there. I mean, look at, look at San Jose. They've got three goaltenders who all require waivers in James Reimer, Aiden Hill, and Capo Kakinen. So who's to say you even have to give away an asset? If you think that if it's Aiden Hill that ends up on waivers and being sent to the minors, if you think there's upside there, mm-hmm. you might be able to get him for nothing unless the Sharks are willing to carry three goaltenders. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm not sure they're going to rush. My understanding actually is they're not going to rush into looking for goaltending help uh, in part because of how well Thompson played. And, like, listen, his adjusted numbers, small sample, like just a little under 500 shots on goal, so, like, one-third of what Jacob Markstrom saw last year. But they were better. His adjusted numbers were better than Jacob Markstrom. They were better than Andre Vasilevsky, UC Saros, Thatcher Demko, Frederick Anderson. Logan Thompson posted better numbers. Now, hey, first taste of the NHL, nobody sort of really pre-scouted him to the degree that will happen now if he does end up being the guy for for a long stretch early this year. But there was some potential there. He looked like the real deal when he was in net for them. The other factor here is obviously we know the cap issues. Like I think they would rather take Robin's money and solve some of their other cap problems with it than reinvesting it back into goaltending. But the the other factor is we don't know. Maybe they're going to be better defensively under Cassidy than they were under DeBoer. I mean, I talked about it lots last year, how heavily they leaned on goaltending. Um, 24th and expected goals against five on five 28th and expected goals against off the rush five on five uh, 20th best best pk in terms of expected goals against like even in the d zone like when it was settled end zone play like they were bottom third in the league in every defensive category and they leaned just as they did two years ago leaned heavily on florida they leaned heavily on robin later so if the coaching change improves that because we know they've got a good defense personnel wise they just don't play good defense as a group. And that's obviously, that goes beyond just who's on the back end. That's, that's all five guys on the ice. If that improves under Cassidy, and we heard a lot about how demanding he was on details in Boston, then maybe even more so, you don't need to make a move because Logan Thompson in a better environment looks that much better. Laurent Brassois, who had some pretty good structure in front of him in Winnipeg, maybe he looks that much better. So um, I would not expect it early on. And if they go that way, I think there are cheaper options, again, because cap is always a concern, you know, than Varlamov. Obviously, Corpus is on a tiny ticket, but frankly, guys, like, mm-hmm. the track record for the past number of years hasn't been very good. Um, I don't know that I look at Jonas Corpus for all the potential, because when you watch him play, mm-hmm. 
the skills that separate him are skills that should make him, especially in today's game, the patience on the skates, like these things should all pay off. But they haven't now probably dating back to that, you know, really great series he had against the Leafs. Like, what is that? Like four years ago yeah. now? So, you know, I, 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 the name I would look at probably is with the San Jose Sharks. And, that, and, and again, we started to hear some of this buzz because he was on the ice at the camp with us last week. And so it's out there already. And that's James Reimer because mm-hmm. he's only on, he's on the final year of the deal. So you can move on him from him at the end of the season if Laner's healthy and ready to go. And he's only two and a quarter. And if you're willing to attach an asset, then I'm guessing San Jose, because it's such a small salary, but maybe even be willing to eat uh, part of that, depending on what type of asset you're sending back in return. And, you know, James isn't, you know, he doesn't jump off the chart in terms of like high, high ceiling when I look at his numbers, but there's a consistency and steadiness there that I think would go a long way um, behind that Vegas group. Kevin Woodley is our guest here on The People Show, Ingle Magazine, NHL.com. And one more thing to unpack on the Vegas front, and it goes back to the whole Leonard situation long-term here now. I mean, it's hard to say what's going to happen, but he signed a contract. He still has some term left on it. It's a decent amount of money. There seems to be issues going on here. Is this going to work long-term, you think? Or is there going to have to be a change? I don't think anybody can answer that, to be honest with you. Like, um, yeah, I saw it. You know, I think I... You know, I think maybe they hope that once they moved on from the coach, and let's be honest, like Pete DeBoer didn't make any friends with Mark Andre Fleur, and he was he was there either. So um, there's just something you know something about the way goalies are handled um, by that head coach that seems to create some friction. I, I honestly can't answer it. Um, you know, certainly uh, pulling the shoot a little bit last year when he was pulled from that game and just basically walking from the season. And, and listen, playing hurt the whole time and playing through it. So to be disrespected like that, I understand, you know, Hey, if I'm going to play hurt and I'm going to go through all this and you're just going to yank me when I'm playing well, uh, after one period, I, I understand the frustration there. So I would hope that with a new coach and new people in place, there'd be enough water under the bridge after a year off, um, that he can come back. I think a healthy, um, you know, right mind frame sort of, uh, fit Robin Lehner, yeah, is is a top ten, arguably top five goaltender in the league, frankly. And so, if he gets his body right and he's got the right approach coming back, whether it's Vegas or maybe elsewhere, um, he's still a really valuable asset. And um, like I said, like you know, his performance last year, I think his performance in Vegas overall, the raw numbers don't jump out off the page. But with all those defensive stats I threw at you, I don't think the raw numbers do justice to how good Robin Lehner's been there when he's been healthy and when he's been in the net. But again, I said this before they sign him for the long-term contract, so it's not hindsight. He's a guy that's got to be in a tandem. Uh, he is not a guy you can run out there 50, 55, 60 games. Uh, you have to watch his workload. That is a, he's just a massive body. Uh, we've seen the studies, Bauer, CCM, they've done the, the biomechanical studies. Like Every time you drop into the butterfly, it is two times the force is equal to two times the body weight of the goaltender. And so with Laner being 250, sometimes playing as high as 285, um, from what we've heard, that's that's a lot of force on a big body every time he drops to the ice. You just need to manage that better than you would a guy who's you know cruising around 200. You're listening to The People Show. We're joined by Kevin Woodley in Goal Magazine. And Kevin, we were talking about this a little bit earlier on. Canucks with a lot to prove this year. And, and looking at individual players, defensemen, goalies, how much does Spencer Martin have to prove this year? I mean, a fair bit, right? He needs to prove that last year wasn't a fluke. Not that anyone expects him to run a 950, 
um, as a full-time backup, but until you've done it, you haven't done it, right? We said the same thing about Demko first first year as a number one goaltender, right? And I think there's still going to be questions about whether he can get through a season as a number one goaltender because he didn't last year. And so that same sort of, you just got to, you almost got to prove it every year in this position. I mean, look at the fluctuation in goaltending around the league. Like, and for Spencer Martin, very much so because he's, he's only got a five-game sample in the NHL of success. And, you know, only one sort of this last year was his best in the American Hockey League. So, yeah, I believe based on the changes that he made in his game that led to that success, that for sure it's repeatable. And again, not to the extent of a 950. We talked about it during the season. You know, how many, you know, especially I think it was the Vegas game where he got that start. Like how many, how many pucks off the pipe? Mm-hmm. Um, how many yeah. posts? Like if those are post in versus post out, those numbers look really different. I talked about it with, with Logan Thompson. Teams are going to have a better sort of understanding of strengths and weaknesses on Spencer Martin um, you know, as a full-time backup this season than they did when he only played five games last year. There was no book. And so it's it's on him to sort of stick with and sort of continue to dig in on the changes and, and, and continue to, to get better, frankly, because uh, the test is probably going to be tougher full-time. Uh, and and those questions, like if he stumbles at all, even even in the short term, you know, even if it's a couple of starts, like the questions will come back. So how he manages that mentally will be part of this equation. They'll probably be, in a larger sample size, more ups and downs. And that's where the position becomes more mental than physical. How do you manage the downs, especially in a Canadian market, with the focus that, that's on you, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to just the positives? Because last year when he came in, like it was all positive, yeah. right? So um, there are questions but like I said, like like I just think there's a lot there that I like in terms of the way he embraced a t- what what could have been a tough situation at the start of last year. The changes he made, I think they're tangible, and I think you'll see him live up to his end of the bargain as 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 a solid backup option for the Canucks. And hey, listen, that's not like I think we forget because Yarrow had a couple really bad games that when it when the season was said and done, his adjusted numbers were flirting with you know top ten in the league. Um, for for as much as those couple rough starts, I guess two rough starts and one rough relief appearance sort of muddied the waters of his raw numbers, Jaroslav Halak was still really good for this team on the whole last season. And mm-hmm. so um, that doesn't show up necessarily in the raw numbers as much as it does the adjusted just because of the types of starts he got. And that's what Spencer Martin's looking at, right? Like how do the Canucks handle this? Igor Shishterkin avoided a lot of tough starts. Like the Rangers kept him away, especially during busy stretches. They fed Alexander Georgiev to the Wolves. So are the Canucks going to do the same with Spencer Martin? Are they going to look at the ones they think they can really win and give those to Demko? Or depending on how the schedule looks, will there be times where they'll give Demko a night off against a team where they might not have a chance or where they know everybody else is tired in front of the goaltender and Spencer gets fed to much tougher starts? And Mm -hmm. hey, that's part of the job as a backup. But again, it's something you have to adjust to mentally and be able to sort of manage your game and not get frustrated when some of the circumstances around you might leave you hung out to dry, might leave you with some nights where, you know, forget a 950 save percentage, you got a stretch like Yarrow did where it's 850. So, um, you know, there, there'll be a learning curve, there'll be some adjustments, but we've seen with this goaltending group that's in place sort of helping guide them through it. Um, there's lots of knowledge and lots of experience on sort of help, helping manage those ups and downs. And I mean, Spencer Martin, I remember talking to Curtis Sanford at the beginning of last year, 
like he was at a crossroads. His career could have been over last year if he, a he didn't get an opportunity and b he didn't make the most of it. Mm-hmm. So you got to think that he went into the summer not sort of resting on his laurels or taking any of this for granted because he was that close to having it. You know, maybe Europe as his next best option if last year hadn't happened the way it did. Before we let you go, up against the clock a little bit, but I want to ask you about Carey Price. It's been pretty quiet around him for the summer. We all know the health issues last year. Uh, it's been. I mean, should we expect him to give it another go here at like actually be playing and and wanting to make this happen, or are we at a stage now with Carey Price where it is a legitimate question about him actually playing out this upcoming season and then maybe not playing anymore? I, I think it is a legitimate question. I know I can't remember whether it was a GM. Um, Ken Hughes uh, or Jeff Gordon, the president uh, in Montreal that spoke recently about him trying uh, PRP plaza, plasma rich platelet or platelet rich yeah. plasma. I can't remember which it's basically blood yeah. splitting boys. I've had it done and you get, then you get injected into the joint to try and sort of reduce some of the swelling that he was experiencing with his knee. I mean, if we're looking at another surgery, I have serious questions about whether he put himself through that. I can't say for sure. Um, it looks like, based off social media, I, like I said, I was up in Kelowna and I was going to try and connect, but it appears he's actually down at, um, you know, at his, uh, his in-laws place down in, in Tri-City area right now, based on some of the fishing photos. Just because he's down there doesn't mean he's skating, isn't skating, sorry. Like, he has the ability to go into the Tri-City rink where he played with the Americans and they've made ice available to him in the past. Um, but my understanding, some people told me that, that they don't think he started skating yet and carries a guy who puts the gear away, like doesn't even look at it to August 1st, but it's now mid August. And if he's still not skating, then I have a hunch or you, at least I would lean towards a guess, an educated guess, but a guess nonetheless, that he's probably not going to be ready for the start of this season. And you've got to wonder if that means he shuts it down for the entire season, which would be a shame because my understanding is he worked really – I talked to Jake Allen about this during the season last year when Montreal came through, and he like he talked about just how much – how hard Kerry was working, how much he was busting his ass to get back. And then when he finally did, the knee didn't react very well. And so, you know, he talked again at the end of the season about that swelling. So, you know, indications – sort of loosely just sort of what are you hearing stuff around around the area where he normally skates are that he hasn't yet. And that's not a good sign for the chances of us seeing Kerry back. And that, I really hope that's not the case because I'm kind of like, I'm looking at my wall here in my office and it's like a Price Olympic jersey, a Lundquist Olympic jersey, and a Luongo Olympic jersey. And like, we're running out of these guys. Like these are the guys that maybe it's just like nostalgia. I'm getting old. All these guys are out of the, you know, out of the league, Lundquist and Luongo already, but like it also a real changing of the guard. Like some of the workhorses, the Ryan Millers of the world, some of these guys that, you know, munch tons of minutes over the past couple of decades are like quickly disappearing out of the league. And it, it doesn't feel like there's as many, Vasilevsky and Demko's and, and even Markstrom's coming up to replace them in, in a similar type role as we had before. So it makes for a fascinating time. But uh, as a guy who sort of grew up admiring all three of those, uh, I really hope that at least one of them has still got a future playing in the NHL. Cause to me, the league is better with, with Carey Price in it. See, we started off this segment talking about age and we realized the frailty of life. And then you start bringing up how these goalies are aging out and we're back full circle looking at the frailty of life again. Kevin, Man, so I'm depressed, guys. Bringing it around well. Good job.
I'd like to pretend it was on purpose. I'm just old, so everything comes down to the frailty of life at this point. Getting I, out of bed becomes an issue. I hear you about that, man. Hey, Kevin, always a pleasure, man. Enjoy, uh, enjoy summer, and uh, we'll chat with you again soon. Great to talk with you guys. Awesome. Uh, that is Kevin Woodley in Goal Magazine. Great insight. And you know the Kevin Woodley, the uh, Kevin Woodley, the Carey Price stuff. It hasn't been talked about a lot, and, and I think we're all kind of like you know expecting him to come back or whatever. But man, because I asked around just kind of for fun, because I know a couple people that know him a little bit, and I was like. Yeah, he may not play again. Might, mm. you know, he might be done. I yeah. mean, we'll see. But um, yeah, it's you're talking about the a goalie, the greatest goalie of one of the greatest goalies of his generation. Still has a lot of turnover left on his contract. Still in his you know early mid thirties, not you know too old yet. Yep. And it's like that career, it could be coming to an end. Remember when the season ended? There was a little bit of discussion about could Jake Allen be available? Yeah, it's gone away pretty quick, hasn't it? Pretty quick. So what does that tell you? Yeah. There's probably some uncertainty. uncertainty. Yeah, yep. exactly. All right. Uh, we were going to, you know what? Coming up next hour, not only do we have Don't At Me for your chance to win some tickets to the Nooner at the Nat, we will also give you a chance. You know what? Let's just do it now. All right. You let's, know do what? It. let's do it now. You know, screw Josh it. is like, come on, man. Josh is like, come, what is wrong with you? But uh, we're going to have fun. We're doing the stadium tour giveaway, giving you the chance to win tickets to the stadium tour at BC Place on Friday, September 2nd with Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Poison, and Joan Jett and, and the Black Hearts. Third caller gets the tickets. 604 280 0650. Call now to get your tickets. We're back right here on the People Show on Sportsnet 650. Back in on the People Show, Satyar Shaw with Randy Janda. Is this technically hour two, Josh? Josh Elliot Wolf, our producer. This, uh, for podcast purposes, yes. this is the second half of hour two. So second half of hour two. Okay. Yes. So confusing today. We started. Uh, usually, we start at the top of the hour. Today, we started at three thirty. So it kind of throws everything off as far as where the clock's at. Yeah. I was going to be like hour two of the show, but I'm. Well, I'm like, technically, maybe the last segment was a start of hour two. Yeah, podcast listeners were probably like, what are you guys smoking? But yeah. trust me, it makes sense. It makes sense to us. And yeah. and, and Sad is on Roback, so. Yeah. So, <laughs> so he kind of is. In general. Yeah. I'm a little, yeah. Might be a, a little bit uh, bewildered at times. Um, yeah. You have that look. You remember when uh, Mr. Burns and the Simpsons kind of is uh, <laughs> the X-Files episode? <laughs> X-Files. <laughs> He's kind of. saucer eyes? Yeah. That's got that every now and then. Yeah. That's kind of what's going on. Hey, man, I, I got to do what I got to do. You're here. I'm here. I made it in today. It's all that matters. Can't believe it happened. Can't, can't believe I had to take two days off because of my... I've never, I've never, ever had to take time off from work because of an injury. Like, I, I, I had knee surgery, but I booked time off ahead of time for it. Like, you know, something was planned. But I never, like, hurt myself to the point or, like, had something where I couldn't show up to work because of it. You know what that reminds me of? Uh, John Shorthouse, he mentioned this on air. I'm mm-hmm. not revealing any secrets here. He planned his vasectomy around the Masters. Oh. So he was laying on the couch. Yeah, well, it's a smart, uh, it's smart move. <laughs> smart move, yeah. Knee surgery, you said. You knee said surgery. Knee surgery. Knee surgery. <laughs> I need to clarify. <laughs> yeah, not vasectomy, knee surgery. Both the lower body injuries. Yes. <laughs> we did talk about this, actually, a couple of days ago, Josh. Imagine you being off one of those days, and the JT Miller trade went down. 
or oh, an oh, extension yeah. went down. So basically, anytime uh, Dan Riccio takes time off. Pretty much. Yeah. So like Riccio's in Budapest. Uh, I think he's double posting stories on Instagram. I believe he's drunk. Yes. Uh, I texted him. <laughs> yeah, he, okay, he is double posting. So right? I, I texted him and I said, what are you doing? Put the drink down. And he repeated my line to me. Street beers are the best beers. So uh, clearly, clearly, clearly he's having a couple of... And you know, Reach, it doesn't take a couple. No, it takes like a quarter of a beer. <laughs> And he's buzzing. And he's buzzing. Uh, you know what? Like, I'm not even making, this is not even about making fun of somebody being a cheap drunk, so to speak. I wish it was, I mean, th- that's a good thing. If you can have just like one drink and get a nice buzz going and you can be cool for the rest of the night, yeah. that's a good thing. That's that means a- you consume less and, yep. you know, whatever. Your visa bill is a lot lower. It's a lot lower. But um, I- I'd say what happened was, you know, when you're trying to load up a story sometimes and it doesn't post. So you tried again? Yeah. So he probably kept trying it again, and he's like on the Wi-Fi or whatever. And he's in Italy? No, he's no, in Budapest. Budapest. I don't, Budapest, yeah. Budapest, I don't yeah. know, though, because I think the first one he posted was from his wife's, like a repost of his wife's story, and then uh-huh. he posted it on his own. Oh. As if he like just had the recording then. Oh. So. He's I don't the, know. I, I got to the bottom of it. I like Josh, just the investigative. <laughs> this is like CSI. <laughs> Reacho's Instagram. Why is Reach always so shifty? Like, what's going on here? It's a low center of gravity. <laughs> oh, you mean, like, in yeah. terms of his motives? Yeah. Like, oh, okay. I thought you meant actually. Like, no, no, He's no, pretty no. agile, He's too, pretty though. agile. No, because, I mean, th- there's always some sort of embellishment on something. You know, like, you know, like the 4940 yeah. and all that other stuff. I was stuff. there. Trust me, I saw it. <laughs> he was fast. He wasn't that fast. <laughs> I was like, remember when, uh, was it Kenny Smith? Yeah. And that whole uh, Inside the NBA, they had the race? Yeah. And there's Charles was like complaining right <laughs> off the bat. I was Charles in that. <laughs> yeah, I could not. Uh-uh. I'm like, no, unfair. <laughs> yeah, probably something along those lines. I I hope he's having a good time, and I hope he's not listening to the show because then what are you doing in Europe? You might as well come back home. Yeah, I don't know if his wife would let him. Just imagine <laughs> that in this hotel room. <laughs> I got to sit the people's show. I got to hear what they're saying. It's about like me. two a.m. Yeah, it's like super late there too. What is he doing? <laughs> hey, man. If he's a quarter beer in, anything is possible. <laughs> yeah, anything. for each, anything is possible. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. So let us know what is Dan Riccio up to. We have actually, we actually have a question in overrated, underrated. I think that is Dan Riccio directed. So we'll get to that. Overrated, underrated. By the way, coming up at six. So any submissions, keep getting them in to our Dunbar Lumber Text Inbox six fifty six fifty. And we got some good ones. Yeah, uh, I saw them in your mentions a little bit earlier. Yeah, uh, they look. They look fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Can't wait. And also, Don't At Me is coming up in about 10 minutes' time. So get the Don't At Me submissions in. Um, that's coming up. And you're, you're going to have a chance to win tickets to go watch the Vancouver Canadians. A nooner at the Nat is on the line. So make sure you have your Don't At Me submissions ready. Think them up if you don't. And we're going to call on you to get those sent in in about 10 minutes or so. Uh, we played Turf Trivia. And the topic of... Turf Trivia, where part of the topic of Turf Trivia was Derwin James, the LA Chargers safety who signed a new contract, making him the highest paid safety uh, in the NFL, resetting the market. And uh, the question in Turf Turf Trivia was who was the top safety taken, the first safety taken in the 2019 draft, and that was Minka Fitzpatrick. So I look at Derwin, and I think he's great. And there's a conversation that can be had at some point about where he ranks amongst the best defensive players and how safeties are changing in that way because of how they get utilized now in the NFL compared to how it was before. But more interestingly, the team itself, the LA Chargers, last year, as Joshua Elliott Wolf will attest, I crushed hard on the LA Chargers. I really like 
Justin Herbert. I love watching Justin Herbert play. Defensively, they have so many pieces. Injuries always seem to be a concern with them. They always seem to stub their toes. Is it going to be different, or why will it be different, or why not for this LA Chargers team this season? I think it, okay, I'm high on this team, but when I look at the division, I I do wonder to say, you are going to be better. Yeah. But how much is it going to matter in that division in Mm. the sense of the, the heavyweights? And Herbert is the truth, right? Like, what else are we going to see from him? I, I think maybe the high end, you want to see that that consistency even more so. You know, every quarterback, even the high end guys have the dead of a game. But I do wonder, you know, defensively, they're going to be a problem. Uh, defensively, and I mean for other teams. Jerwin uh, James and extending him, obviously something that you like. But the only question I have about this team is the division. Yeah. Are you are you high end elite? Because we know the rest of those teams, at least a couple of them, would be tough to beat. Two of those teams in the division at the very least. And if you start looking at, you know, what the Raiders can do, they might surprise a few teams. I know there's a lot of people across the NFL that are are high on that playmaking potential, even though they might have mixed feelings about Derek Carr. And I think it's gonna be super competitive. I just I don't know if this year is the year to make that leap. It's a tough, tough yeah. division. See, I mean, if this is not the year they do it, when are, are they going to do it? I mean, talent-wise, how many teams have more talent than the LA Chargers? Can you count eight more teams with more talent than them? You can't do it. I challenge anybody to name me eight teams in the NFL or, heck, seven teams in the NFL that have more talent than LA Chargers. They're super talented. And, and they know, have a quarterback. Yeah, we had Christian Covington on the show uh, you know, not too long yeah. ago, and now you had Khalil Mack to that mix, which is, I'm saying. Which is crazy, right? You think about yeah, Bosa too. Bosa, Mac, James. So they're going to be up there. But how many teams are coming out of that division? But I mean, I mean, how many teams you put ahead? Of, like, so who do you put the Chiefs ahead of them? I think that's fair for sure. I I know a silver and black Canuck would put his chart, his Raiders ahead of them. But from talent, they're not better. Yeah, the Broncos don't have more talent than the Chargers. On paper, they got to be the second best team in that division. Okay, when we talk about quarterbacks, because we know that's where the strength that. Every single one of the teams, especially if you're a, a contender, we know the Chiefs are in a class of their own, right? Patrick Mahomes and what he can do, and he bounces back based on some of the, the efforts we saw in the playoffs last year. You expect him to be the best, if not one of yeah. the best. Now, Herbert versus Russ is what it's going to come down to. Really? I, I think, and the reason I ask that is because I feel like, and the players are part of this conversation, is number 61 on the NFL of 100. Like, there's a serious amount of disrespect that's being lobbed Russell Wilson's way. And part of that is corniness. Other yeah, players other players are probably like, wait a second, this yeah, guy's corny. I get AF. you. I get you. And B, some people are probably saying, Yeah, let's let's dance on the grave of a Russell Wilson. We think he's done. I don't think it's that far gone though. Okay, here here's the thing. Do you think um do you think that Herbert and Russell Wilson are in the same tier? Because Herbert right now is in the top tier of NFL quarterbacks, I'd say. He's put himself in that top tier. Yes, the talent is yes. undeniable. He's like there. You look at him, he's a natural. Right. I say Russ and Derek Carr are in the same tier. I think the more interesting conversation for me in that division is Charger or, or Broncos or Raiders. And I might bet on the Raiders over the Broncos. Hmm. I, I'm giving the Broncos a little bit more respect. Maybe it's more respect than they deserve. But I guess we'll find out. I don't think Russ is as far gone as we think. Herbert, yes, he is it. Is he taking that 
is he taking that next level leap this year is my question. Well, I mean, does he even need to just replicate what he did last year? What he did last year was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Like, it's not like he has to do anything different. In that division, you might have to. That's my but point. But I, I think if he, the issue was last year, they didn't miss the playoffs because of him. It wasn't his fault. Like, in that last game against the Raiders, which was, I mean, what a football game. I mean, yeah. what do we, it wasn't his fault. He did everything humanly possible. To me, the question comes down to, you know, are they going to be healthy or not? And do they not? Do they stop shooting themselves in the foot? Wouldn't you say the biggest issue for the Chargers have been self-inflicted wounds, whether yeah. it's coaching decisions? And that goes back a decade, really. Right. Like that's yeah. been, or, or like missed field goals, or like the stupidest things have gotten in their way. And and maybe I'm the idiot that keeps betting on the Chargers, and they're gonna keep. You know, I've screwed this so many times with the Chargers. <laughs> I know, but this time, I mean, hey, Josh, like, what do you think of? Herbert, like, is he not different? Has he not put himself in the he conversation? Is. And I know you're saying that. I'm not yeah. saying you're not saying yeah. that, Randy. But is he not in the same conversation now as the best quarterbacks in the NFL? I don't. I would still have like Mahomes and Allen pretty comfortably, but maybe not comfortably, but definitely above him. Is He's there a tier one and a tier two? Like, and I'm, that's a very high tier still. Don't get me wrong. Tier yeah. two is extremely high, but it feels like there's a tier one, and he's he's just. He's just below that tier one. So to me, he's there. Okay, I, but you, I would you, say one more good season, like yeah, last year, and then he's there. But I'm saying like what he did last year, it was on par with those guys. Like last year, he was on par with those guys. If he does the same thing, he's on par again with them. So if you have a quarterback that that is that good, why would you not figure it out? How do you not figure it out this upcoming season? Like I know we've all been yep. burned by the Chargers. And maybe we'll replay this. A, a part of this might be it's the Chargers. Yeah. Like, for real, right? Like, I, I think generally what we do is we will, when it comes to quarterbacks, and I think Tom Brady and a lot of these guys, different quarterback, different mindset, different way of playing, but we give them respect a little bit later in their careers now, especially if yeah. you're high-end guys. And and Russ, I think, has been, you know, obviously MVP candidate a couple of years ago. We're going to give him the respect until we see that like some might argue that was last year where he just fell off and he's not the same quarterback. Maybe I'm giving him too much respect here, but I think with the Chargers, there is some scar tissue there. Yeah. There is some scar tissue in the sense that, all right, you were the up and coming team. You played really well with Herbert last year. It was an unbelievable season for the quarterback. But are you ready for the are you ready for Hollywood? Are you ready for prime time? That's where I think a lot of people are still like Chargers. You gotta and that defense, the way it looks now. With the additions that they may, they might be. I th you know what? And it's funny. I see a lot of texts coming in here. Uh, Silver and Black Canuck says, if we're talking, uh, I would not put the Raiders above the Chargers in terms of talent on paper, but I would say they have a better coach, as in the Raiders have a better coach. And that's been, a, I think, a fair point, like we mentioned. I do think their coaching staff has potential, but we'll see. Uh, this one says, Tier 1, Brady, Mahomes, Rogers. that's it. You got to put Allen in there, too. Josh Allen. Yeah, I think he showed last year. He deserves to be in that conversation. And I would put, I mean, hey, hey, maybe I'm getting ahead of it, but I would put Herbert there based on his talent. You know, I think I think, I think, think it's Brady for sure. I think, you know, Mahomes, of course. And I put Josh Allen in there and Aaron Rodgers. I think that's, you know, those are the top tier guys. But I think with the way Herbert played last year, and if that's the player we saw see and we saw signs of it the year before, he's on par with those guys talent-wise. I think you're, you might be like, this might be a 50-50 conversation. I don't deny that he won't be a part of that. Like, he's very close. I'm not putting him in there yet. I, I, I'm just, give me one more year. It's going to happen. It's a matter of like, is it going to happen in six months? Is it going to happen in three months? Is it going to happen at the end of the year? He's just, at the beginning of this year, he's not there for me. Mm -hmm. I would probably have, like, I would say 
my tier one, and I don't know, maybe I'm being premature, but I would say the only two quarterbacks I would have there would be Mahomes and Allen. And then my tier two, which is really close, will yeah. be Brady, Rodgers, and Herbert. Poor Brady. I mean, all Brady did last year was lead the league in passing yards and touchdowns and everything. All he did was have, <laughs> yeah. have the best quarterback season of all the guys. Okay, that's that's where mine would be a little different. Where I I I think you have to throw a Rod and and Brady in there as well. So you got the two young guys and the two old guys, and then Herbert right below those guys. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely uh, not there yet. What has he done? I mean, hey. What has Josh Allen done? He's won in the postseason a couple of games, right? And if, and if it wasn't for, uh, y- y- you know, going up against uh, Patrick Mahomes and, and the Chiefs, you probably are going to a Super Bowl. But I'm saying, based on talent, he's going to be there, and we're talking about him in the same spot as well. And is Rodgers still Tier 1 if he's not on hallucinogens? That one's for Silver and Black. Yeah, I don't have any inside information on that. <laughs> I don't know. On the effect. I hope not. <laughs> he's in, he's on a tier. I just don't know which one it is. <laughs> yeah, it might be a very high yeah. tier. All right. Uh, we mentioned uh, Don't At Me at 520. That is coming up right now. And as always, Don't At Me is brought to you by Lease Busters. Get out of your vehicle lease with ease, confidence, and a Lease Busters leasing specialist to guide you through the journey. Go to leasebusters.com to start the process today. And on the line is another nooner at the on Friday, August 26th at 1.05 p.m. That's on the line. Let's get it going on Don't At Me. Your takes uninterrupted. Don't at me. Text in your submissions to 650-650. Let's do Don't At Me, Randeep. You're up first. All right. Don't at me. Manchester United is that desperate guy at the bar asking every girl for a number before closing time. Nobody wants to sign with this team. Casemiro? No, thanks. Rabio, No, I want more money, even though he's not playing at Juventus. Now, João Felix? Yeah, that ain't happening either. Doesn't matter how many hundreds of millions you throw at his way. This team is in such a bad way, nobody wants to go there. Striking out at 2 a.m. at the bar. <laughs> That's yeah. what they are, man. They are. They are. That that is what they are. I mean, I, I can't. I can't at you. I can't. I really can't at you when it comes to Manchester United. They are a laughing stock. Yao Felix. And I even uh, there's an overrated, underrated question by our friend Manuel Beth. Okay. About Yao Felix, overrated, underrated. So um, hey. there's more man you talk coming up on overrated, underrated. The slander will continue until they do something good. Uh, we got this one from Marcus and Gibson. Don't at me. Dan Ricci will be seen wearing a Justin Herbert jersey before season's end. The Chargers definitely seem like a Dan Ricci. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I had to change teams, I might choose the Chargers. Me too. I wouldn't change teams, but if I did, I would. But I can see Dan Riccio kind of like just like in a year or so, just all of a sudden turns out to be a Chargers fan. He always has these flirtations. Like he had one with Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Like he abandoned them after like two weeks where he didn't do well. Yeah. And then he starts doing it well, and then he comes back again. Yeah. So, uh, Reacher, you got to be very careful. Like, definition bandwagon. Fan. It's too shifty. <laughs> that low center of gravity. <laughs> you can't you can't trust Dan Riccio when it comes to sports relationships with teams. Not, with his wife, I'm not saying, because obviously they're, they're happy together. He's, he's a very... Hit another level. No, no, he's very loyal, all that sort of stuff. But when it comes to committing to sports franchises, the only one that has, that's been a lifelong commitment to him has been Juventus. Yes. That's the only thing. Yeah, he goes around with other teams. Yeah. He's he, he can't stay he he can't 
He can't be as loyal. The, as the great Tupac Shakur once said, he gets around. <laughs> I get around. Great song. Great song. Uh, all right. A lot of Don't At Me submissions continue coming in here on the Dunbar Lumber text inbox. Uh, don't at me. But a local Budapestian is feeding Dan Riccio drinks right now and using him for using him for street entertainment. It's true. Uh-oh. Street is entertainment because Dan Riccio... That sounds like a confession <laughs> Friday submission. No. Yeah, it might be. Uh, we got this one coming in from Silver and Black Canuck. Raiders sign, I should mention, but you'll know from the submission. Don't at me, but if the Raiders... Sorry, if the Chargers couldn't win with LT... And that stacked roster, what makes you think this roster in a tougher division will be easier for them? Uh, I never said it's going to be easier. I'm just saying Justin Herbert, they're going to make the playoffs. You can't add him. You no, can't add not, him. But you asked me a question. He's indirectly adding uh, you, all right. but you can't add him. Don't at me. Justin Herbert is a tier one quarterback in the NFL. And if you don't believe it, you'll believe it after this season. You're going to believe it. I mean, some things are undeniable. Some talents are undeniable. You watch them. You know what you're watching. We watched NFL for a long time. We watched football for a long time. You watch Nathan work in the CFL. What are, what are people saying? He's special. He's good. Star power. He's played how many games? What? Like 10? Yep. So, seven, seven and one. Yep. My point being, you know special when you see special. Justin Herbert is that special. Go on this me. one, we got a... Uh... Don't at me regarding the Pittsburgh Steelers coming in here. Jordan coming in with, don't at me, but Kenny Pickett should be the starter in Pittsburgh this year. Don't give me the Trubisky as a vet talk. Kenny has four years in that building. And if you're looking to find out if he's your answer, do it this year where you can pick up some wins. You might not get next year. Six QBs in the first round. Uh, next draft coming up. So you better get an answer this year because it's a deep draft for QBs. Okay, uh... I'm not adding him. I'm asking a question. I'm posing a question. Just because a quarterback played college in the same city and used the same building, does that really matter? He knows how the parking works. There. Come on. <laughs> he knows where the washroom is. He knows where the office is. He knows where to buy a hot dog. I mean, like, it's not like he was getting the Pittsburgh Steelers game plan on a day-to-day -day basis. It's not like he was he was working with Mike Tomlin on what offense they're going to run. I, I, listen, I, hey, I get it. I'm just saying. Like, ha, I love it's, it's just like he played for the Steelers. Yeah, he knows where the washroom is. Yes, he knows where the trainer office is. I'm sure he could figure that out in a day. Most of these kids went to college. It's not hard finding yourself around, finding your way around a building. I love how usually I'm the one adding people. Today, <laughs> it's sad. Uh, this one, before we go to break, don't at me. A lot of drunk Richo takes coming in here. Don't at me. Drunk Richo will be hunting down DJ Norbert at some point in this trip. So Vicky and Poco sends that one in. That was Dan Richo's once now infamous legendary wedding DJ, DJ Norbert. DJ Norbert. Apparently like he wasn't, wasn't all that good. I got too, mo I got too, uh, I got too into that last little thing. My back hurt. Uh-oh. <laughs> Pulling a Brent Sobel here, man. Uh, Relax. Not good. I got to take it easy. That, that's that's all the fire I have for today. I got I gotta I gotta take the pace rest of myself. The show off. I, gotta, I gotta pace myself. All right, Shy Davidi is coming up next, and we will tell you who the winner is of the Don't At Me submissions. That and more right here on the People Show on Sportsnet 650.